right, welcome back to Cover Stories. Uh, today we've got Granite Hands covering Oppressed People from Final Fantasy VII by composer Nabua Ohomatsu. You guys want to introduce yourself? How's it going? How's it going? My name's Sarush. I play guitar in Granite Hands. I'm Tyler. I play guitar. My name's Sessad. I play drums. Uh, this is Ashton. I play the saxophone. Uh, I'm Lane. I play bass. Thank you guys for coming on. This is uh, awesome, and uh, we've been looking forward to this for a while. You guys are awesome, Thanks so we Thanks really you. appreciate having you on. We got Glad to be on. on. Um, so just jumping right into it, uh, this is the first time we've had someone do a video game song. Why this song? So I played Final Fantasy VII when I was a little kid. I think it was the first time I listened to a song, and it kind of just really got me grooving and got me really into music. Growing up, I didn't really listen to much music, but I played a lot of these games by, you know, Final Fantasy series, I guess. And so it's it's kind of just like uh, my first exposure to music that, you know, wasn't like my parents' music or whatever. Um, and yeah, I'm just a big fan of the game. And the remake just came out recently. So it's kind of, you know, I just beat that game and it's just kind of stuck in my head. Still fresh. Yeah. That's awesome. This, this song takes place on the side quest when like, you have to dress up like a girl, right? Yeah, it's like in a, it's like in a town called Wall Market. It's a, there's like a map, there's like a level in the game where you enter a town called Wall Market, and it's like, um, it's almost like the Las Vegas of this game. It's kind of like a, oh, okay, <laughs> like a kind of a sketchy town with a lot of crazy like deals and, and like the mafia and stuff. But yeah. that was like the theme song of the of the map. It's that's really cool. I mean, the thing I think about with this soundtrack in general is i when i first heard you guys i'm not familiar as much with final fantasy um i played part eight nice and i feel it's like one. yeah i got through the second disc and i just didn't have, i'm not really into rpgs uh, yeah but uh <laughs> um the music yeah it's like i mean there's symphonies that play this there are marching bands that play this yeah uh, i want to say when i was in high school we there was a marching band from houston that played this for their show and it was just so cool um so it's really different and um i'm not too familiar with with video game composers i mean the one that always comes to mind is koji kondu yeah about the nintendo stuff but this guy i mean um Oimatsu, i'm probably gonna butcher his name throughout the day uh he's considered like the john williams so yeah he's super popular in japan i think he's made like pop hits on the radio there too oh, really yeah i i know him only from his work with final fantasy i think he's done other work uh, with other rpg games but yeah i think you know it I didn't know this about him, but apparently he was really influenced by prog music. Yeah. Um, in the research, I came up, he, for one thing, he's self-taught. He didn't go to school for anything. And um, the way he composes things is very kind of rock bandish. Yeah. You kind of feel, you know, you get that vibe. But he was really into Pink Floyd mm -hmm. and King Crimson. And I think that correlates to you guys because you guys remind me a lot of like King Crimson and um, I mean, a little bit more mathy. But uh, <laughs> how, how do you feel about that, that connection? I think I came to that sound late in life. I, I, it's weird because I didn't grow up listening to King Crimson when I started playing guitar, for example. I think I've discovered King Crimson probably five years in. Oh, yeah. But, Cesar, you, you listened to that stuff, like, growing up, right? Yeah. Um, well, as a kid, I grew up with, uh, like, a lot of classic rock and disco stuff, and then my dad showed me. Uh, he put on Moving Pictures by Rush, and after that, I, like, fell in love with that group and they were my favorite band or still are um so yeah i kind of always had that kind of influence and then as i got into high school and started meeting new people those people would introduce me to new uh bands like a friend of mine in high school was the one that showed me uh 
uh, an album from from King Crimson, and I like fell in love with it. And I was already familiar with the drummer Bill Bruford, and then you know like I remember that he had been in Genesis, and I started listening to a whole bunch of Genesis, and they're one of my favorite bands too. So um, I mean, anytime I play music, I, there's always that like uh, I guess prog essence or like prog influence in my playing. Um, so yeah, it's it's been with me since you know a little since i was a little kid probably in elementary school or something like that that's awesome i, I feel like being here i mean i grew up here in san antonio did you guys grow up here or i grew up here so like being surrounded by i feel like that's a mentality here i mean we're for a while we were known as like the heavy metal capital of yeah. the united states oh, wow. <laughs> and all the artsy stuff all the prog stuff kind of came secondary but uh, it is something that it feels like on another level when i heard it as a kid it like intimidated me mm-hmm. uh so getting into it later in high school especially once you start playing stuff i think it's 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 kind of like a rites of passage in a way right yeah definitely well i'm from laredo so a lot of other music aside from you know what i grew up on was like tejano and cumbias and stuff like that so that's not very normal for a lot of other people to grow up listening to and when i listened to rush and then started exposing myself to more prog bands or like fusion bands it like blew my mind at how complex their playing was and how they were able to form these like amazing songs and i was like why aren't other bands doing this but you know it's uh different strokes for different folks pretty much. yeah for sure are all of y'all classically trained or self-taught i'm self-taught, self-taught. self-taught. i'm yeah. trained uh, unt <laughs> oh yeah yeah are you uh, the marching man or no uh, i'm uh I, i'm in the jazz oh, okay. program over there what kind of what kind of jazz do you like <laughs> is that a loaded well, question <laughs> I, well, uh, I mean i i like just about any music under the sun you know i can i can find typically you know i i kind of like codify music um as like almost circumstantial like like whenever i think about whether or not i want to put uh, a song on uh, there's like a context in my mind and so it's like you know i have a i have a favorite type of music for every situation and jazz kind of trickles you know, I have I have like jazz music that correlates to everything that I like because it's just kind of it becomes a language yeah. that you speak. You know, that's how that's how that genre of music kind of developed. You know, it has its tropes, it has its uh, call it you know signifiers, but generally, just you know, there's like what is jazz is is a loaded question. Yeah, <laughs> and as a result, what kind of jazz do you like? It's a pretty not loaded but long. Yeah. yeah. It's a long That's journey. That's its own podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good having Ashton in the group because Ashton um is the only one who studied jazz at college. So he, he kinda knows what jazz is in like a sure. I guess yeah, we'll go I mean, we'll go with that. I don't mean like what he knows what it all is, but like he, he actually had like some sort of training in music yeah, theory and I, I stuff. Like, and so like what I do, I feel like a lot of times it's like a pretend jazz. It just, you know, it's it just it's not real jazz. It just I don't know what I'm doing quite. I think going forward, the records are going to sound a lot different with, you know, with a little bit more structure. You know, mm-hmm. and I th- I'm pretty excited for that. Honestly, well, I mean, you know, the way I see all of the all the training and all of the instruction that you can get from you know traditional like schooling with music, you know, whether it be in you know your middle school or public school bands. Or, you know, at university and, you know, things like music theory and things like, um, you know, just general training. I think those are all techniques that just help, like, speed up the communication yeah. between artists. It's not necessary to create, you know. There yeah. are, like, 
there are plenty of amazing musicians who were self-taught, who couldn't read music, who, you know, did everything by ear and stuff. Like, like I, I, I honestly would cite the most important thing for any artist or for anybody who just wants to be someone who, like, you know, engages with music is listening. You know, like, the training comes a long way, but I think of it almost as, like, the sci- scientific language. You know, why, yeah. why do we use the metric system it's so that a scientist from Australia can explain the same thing to a scientist from Russia or something? So that's kind of how I view music theory. Yeah. You know, it's it's a means to an end. It doesn't make the music on its own. Yeah, no. Sure. Yeah, you guys remind me a little. I mean, you've got like kind of a fusion sound to do a little bit. I mean, I mean, I think I I wouldn't know if Granite Hands would necessarily fall into that category before I hopped on the group. But like the saxophone in and of itself, just kind of like it just makes the ear go in that direction, which isn't wrong. You know, I, th- I feel like you, you guys, the first time I heard y'all reminded me of like Bitches Brew, but like on speed. Like, <laughs> I, I thought it was, it was just so rad just to, I mean, just it felt like I was tripping, you know, but like in a good way. Yeah. Um, but I just hear it like it's just it's so fun to hear all of you can hear all of your influences together. You can hear the math rock. I knew you guys were talking about battles earlier and I, I got really into battles in, in, in college and, and even Don Cab to an extent. Nice. Yeah. You know, you hear the, the mathy elements, but you hear the fusion, you hear the metal, you hear the... You know, the, the jazz, it's just really cool. to It all comes together and it makes sense because you see a lot of bands out there who try to do that and it just, it's just hard. Like, I mean, like we can use Sun Ra as an example. I can't get into Sun Ra. Like, it's just, I need to be from outer space to get that, you know. And <laughs> Sun Ra takes some effort, but uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's worth it, <laughs> but but it, it is not uh, an easy experience. Yeah. I, there's this quote from, I think it was from Ken Burns' uh, documentary. They're talking to Bradford Marcellus about Ornette Coleman. And he was like, they're like, oh, like, what do you think? Ornette Coleman's really kind of out there. He kind of does a lot of improvisation. And they asked Bradford Marcellus what he thought about it. He's like, that's the most Brantford. pretentious. Bradford. Bradford. Oh, was it Brad? It wasn't Winston. Winton. No, it, it's, are you talking about the saxophone yeah, player? Brantford? His brother? It's Branford. Branford. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> Uh, but he was like, "That's the most pretentious piece of shit I've ever listened." Like almost worth the words. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. That's that's I guess the the term for that genre, that era with like Ornette Coleman free and, Eric, and yeah, free jazz, <laughs> Eric Dolphy, all that stuff. I actually personally, it's some of my favorite music. Oh, yeah? some, the, some of the avant garde directions, but I rec- like I understand why someone would call that pretentious because it's not geared for like general audience consumption necessarily you know it's kind of like ee cummings of music i mean you have to understand the rules to break them yeah it's just it's it's uh it's artsy i (laughs) I I think he's he's come back and said like he's changed his tone a little bit recently from what i understand i don't think he's as i mean everybody's allowed to you know (laughs) say something at some point you know the the marsalis family has been such a you know a prominent you know, a group of figures in the jazz community for such a long time, I would not be surprised if <laughs> Winton and all of them have very different positions on things they've said in the past. You know? Oh, yeah. With, the, with evolution of music in general, too. What, what are some of you guys' like metal influences? I um, recently have been listening to a lot of Meshuggah. Oh, yeah. um, and Meshuggah is like, I kind of discovered that a little late, kind of in my 20s. So I didn't really grow up with a Meshuggah influence. Um, but I'm really glad I got to discover them later in life because uh, I think it has kind of bled in a little bit into my playing. Um, but Meshuggah was a big one. Uh, man, I'm like blanking. There's a bunch Car of metal bomb. bands. Carbomb, yeah. yeah, Carbomb's Car a, awesome. Carbomb's awesome. 
Um, and I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many metal bands. I, I like. Mean, uh, I, I've been really digging. So Meshuga, uh, Carbomb, Leprous. Uh, I think they're out of Norway. They're they're pretty pretty dope. Um, they give me more of like a classic prog kind of vibe, and it's not like super. Uh, I guess like uh, complicated, like a lot of other stuffs coming out. Um, Coralea, but I don't think they. I don't think they're a band anymore. They have some really uh, awesome tunes that like rip really hard and uh slipknot and all that other stuff you know when i was younger corn <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> i think we listen to a lot of stuff that is in a similar way to granite hands it's has moments of metal where it's not maybe not a straight up metal band yeah but, uh, other bands that are like that where they might have those moments yeah they somehow channel the metal for a particular part of the song you know, it's interesting because, like, I mean, I guess the the fall of Troy does that pretty well. That's one you know? I was thinking like, of. Tigran. Tigran does that very well. Tigran's a jazz pianist, um, and that's another artist that I found later. Uh, you know, I think I was it was twenty fourteen when I first heard of Tigran. Um, so it was a little bit later. So it was pr- quite no, sorry, twenty fifteen. So it was actually like after the first Granahan's EP came out already. Like it came out, and then I discovered Tigran. But Tigran's like, he has a really good way of channeling metal with a piano somehow. Like he makes the piano sound super metal, just like you know, no distortion, nothing. It's just low notes, and makes it sound yeah. super jangly, and like it's really cool. That's awesome. I, I I love for one thing. I mean, I think metal in general is kind of a blind spot of mine. So it's fun to like hear all these influences and and kind of take notes and. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Fall of Troy because I wanted to mention yeah. Fall of Troy, but I didn't know if that was basic of me. I like, I don't know if that's like on a lower oh, no. tier. No, <laughs> no, Manipulators. When I, okay, which which one do y'all prefer of their albums? I um, my first Fall of Troy record that I heard was probably it was probably the Ghost Ship demos. That was my first uh-huh. exposure to the Fall of Troy, I think. Um, and then I think that was my my favorite. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to pick out a favorite. Because they're all good. Um, I think Doppelganger. Yeah, Doppelganger. Was, was the one that I got on the train with. Yeah, that was a very influential album for me. That was my introduction, and I got Manipulator, and I didn't like it. And then <laughs> a few years later, I listened to it, and I'm like, "What's wrong with me? This is I like it better than Doppelganger." And it's funny because they 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 kind of have these. You can tell that they listen to like hair metal because like there's certain <laughs> aspects of those songs. I'm just like, this sounds like Motley Crue, but better like yeah. it blew my mind and I, I was like am i into hair metal now yeah that's actually what opened my mind to new types of music because when i was 13 14 starting to play i i was stuck on classic rock right yeah in the 70s 80s some 90s but then i heard uh the song quarter passed on manipulator yeah and it had that kind of classic rock sound to it and that was what actually opened my mind to the fact that music could still be, you know, to my 13-year-old self. Yeah. That it could be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that band was very, uh, and still is, very ahead of their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you consider how young they were when those records came out, it, it's just crazy. Like, I'm sitting here at 28, just barely. <laughs> I still don't understand, like, what I want to sound like or, you know, what what I want my music to be. But, but those guys... I think they were like 17, 16, I don't, like super young when yeah. their first self-titled came out. And that's just, 
looking back at that, that's just kind of mind blowing. Yeah, we also wouldn't exist in at least this current form without that band. Yeah, for sure. Because I also met Sarush on the internet on oh, the really? Fall of Troy forums. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> Way back in the day. Yeah, they had a forum um, that was pretty popular in the 2000s, like late 2000s, mid 2000s. Did you yeah. ever see them live? Yeah. Oh, a bunch yeah, of I times. saw them like yeah. a ton of times. Too I many a, times. I had a chance when their Austin show got canceled and they played here. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I thought I didn't think it would sell out, and it sold out. Oh yeah, and I couldn't go. I was so oh. upset. They're super popular in South Texas. Yeah, yeah. Like, Texas loves them. And sure. it's funny because they—I don't know if they have a connection. I worked with a woman in Austin uh, who went to high school with—I with, don't know if all of them or just a couple of them. Word. And in the the music video for "Cut Down the Trees and Named Streets After Them," yeah, he's wearing a Tim Duncan jersey. Yeah, yeah, Tim, oh. the bass player, he's wearing a Spurs jersey. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That blew my mind. I was just—it felt so cool. Like, oh, I wonder if there is some kind of Texas connection because they they play here pretty, or they back then they played here pretty often. I think there's something about like that type of music. I mean, whatever that type of music is, but it, it, there seems to be like this kind of fusion of like prog music and. And kind of like mathy stuff in general in South Texas, in West Texas. Like, for example, like the Mars Volta, they're from El Paso. At the Drive-In, they're from El Paso. And I feel like those two bands had a huge influence on... Yeah. And I, I'm just speculating here. I don't quite know for sure if they had an influence on Fall of Troy Sound. But to me, it sounds did. like they did. And it's interesting. There's something about Texas, um, especially Southern Texas and you know Western Texas, that channels this kind of like weird... Um, interesting, like prog rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Cesar, you were in a band in Laredo that had that channel that stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it, it's just interesting to see how it all seems to happen independently of each other. Like, we didn't even know each other. I mean, you you had your own band, Tyler, in Houston too. Yeah. Like y'all kind of just, you know, we, and we all somehow sounded kind of similar. You know, we we played we played similar styles without even knowing each other. Yeah, yeah. and I mean it it benefited us for sure when we all decided to get together and start, you know, writing more music and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't like a huge movement necessarily, like like some monolithic like everybody's listening to this now. But for the people that it was important to them, it was a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, and game changer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I I was listening to Cedric uh, talk on. Um, uh, do you listen to Fucked Up the band? <laughs> I haven't heard of them. Uh, so they're they're a fun punk band, and the lead singer Damien Abraham has a podcast where he talks to people about growing up and getting into punk rock, and he talks to people who like are obvious, and he talks to some people who are like on SNL that you would never know mm. listen to punk rock or in punk rock bands, and he was talking to Cedric, and Cedric was talking about growing up in El Paso, and. I never realized Texas had a pretty big punk scene. I mean, there are a lot of people who, I mean, I knew the butthole surfers were from here. They're oh. not as like proggy, but they they have this kind of weird vibe. And, yeah. you know, they were influential to a lot of the bands that I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's cool. I, I never thought about that, how it comes back to South, Southern Texas. There's and, something, yeah. there's just something about Southern Texas. I don't know what it is, but it, it does seem to play a, play a, a huge like role in people's music, like yeah. bands that are coming out of South Texas or Central Texas or West Texas, like the border towns, mm-hmm. San Antonio, El Paso. I've heard a theory that it was because we have so much space and so much sky. It's almost like it gives you room to think. Yeah. I'm not sure how that would translate sound wise, but I'm sorry. No, I think what? <laughs> no, there's something to that. Yeah, that's I, 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 I feel you. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Like 
do you, so okay so how did that how did that kind of imagery chant like how did you channel that with with sunrise with your band sunrise and ammunition tyler um well i don't know i just i guess like especially in houston it's like always hot and so things move really slow so i guess yeah. there's just not this sense of like a crazy rush even though you can kind of have that like energy that you find in punk music or something there's something like like post-rock bands like this will destroy you and those are super spacious and those are texas bands so i feel like post-rock would be a good example um but off the top of my head i'm not really sure how yeah i think for me you mentioned the sky for me i think it's like the desert there's something kind of spooky about the desert and kind of weird about it mars volta and it tends (laughs) to like it tends to seep into to music from certain parts of Texas. Yeah. You know? I've always associated post rock especially This Will Destroy You. I mean, they had to have been influenced by Explosions in the Sky. And my introduction to Explosions in the Sky was the movie Friday Night Lights. And they, they soundtracked it. And I can't watch a football game in Texas without thinking of that. And, like, mm-hmm. the, you bring up the really? skies. And, like, it just, like, it feels like watching a time lapse. Like, listening to their music feels like watching a time lapse video of, like, the sun going down and mm-hmm. you know and that to me that's to sonically that's that's what i'm like hearing when i when i'm looking at these things yeah. yeah there's also this interesting thing how in texas we almost preserved the culture of rock music where maybe in other places in the bigger cities they like move on to the next thing i mean yeah. i'm sure there's like people pockets that are doing the like, kind of older but like you know, when we first started playing guitar, there was like a culture of music that I think was unique to Texas, and that also shaped some of it. I think yeah, and you what you said about having everything being spaced out. I love that so many music different styles come come from Texas. I mean, you're from Houston, and first thing I think of when I hear Houston is like UGK and like you know DJ Screw and like all these this this, mm-hmm. this era of rap. But you know, you just go maybe. 120 miles to you know west of that in Austin that's where Willie Nelson really can cut ties that's where Janis Joplin is from and mm-hmm. and you know you come down to San Antonio San Antonio is all about you know Ozzy Osbourne is basically one of the guys from the Alamo here like he, yeah. he might as well be <laughs> um, he literally has his mark on the Alamo oh yeah they got the UV light mark <laughs> <laughs> but he's worshipped here and then you know it's just so cool that I mean we're obviously a very big state and we are spaced out but yeah. there's so many different aspects of you know, different types of music in different areas, in different yeah. cities. There's a shit ton of people in Texas. Yeah. You know? That's like another thing. It's like a, it's like 30 million people. I don't know exactly what the number is, but 20 to 30 million people. It's just a ton of people, you know? Yeah. Everywhere we go, we always just have more love for Texas. Whenever we're somewhere else and then we come back, we're like, dang, it's pretty awesome here. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so one thing I wanted to, I think the first song I heard from you guys was Smoke Screens mm. and um, maybe it was just a saxophone that made me think about this but there's a song by Incubus called Anti-Gravity Love Song of Science and it sounds like you know, there's a sax in it and it's just kind of like cheesy romantic type of so- sounding song but it was so fucking cool and that's what you guys kind of reminded me of the first time I heard y'all um, I, I think that bringing all those elements in um, you know, like I said, I heard the jazz, I heard the metal aspect, I heard the, the mathy stuff was like right away, your syncopation, you know, with the drums, and it's just so fun to, to, to hear that. What uh, what are some bands that you've been told you guys sound like that 
either you agree with or don't agree <laughs> with. You know, like there's a there's a bunch of obvious ones that come up. Um, uh, people have told me we sound like Fall of Troy, like Terra Mellos, like uh, Chan, the Mars Volta, and you know, I mean, it, it is it's it's like. You know, they're all great bands with such a big legacy that you can only, you know, you can get, get stoked when yeah. people think you sound like those bands. I mean, I guess it's 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 an interesting topic. It's like, like what, what do other people perceive of what your sound is versus what you perceive yeah. what your sound is? At the end of the day, it's like, play what you want to play and play sure. what you think sounds good. And if other people like it, it doesn't really matter what they think it sounds like or doesn't sound like. It's just, mm-hmm. you know... To them, it brings them positive kind of like positive vibes. If they listen to a certain band, they're like, oh, you sound like that band. It's like, you know, it's a it's a good thing, I think. Yeah, it can bring people in. But at the same time, it's like that could just be one album or one song yeah. that maybe they hear, but you don't want to be confined to that box. Even yeah. if it like might actually be inspired by what people are I mean, pointing you know, out. music is an abstract thing. Like people, you know, no matter what like personal genre labels or codes or whatever you want to put on stuff like most of it is kind of like artificially like synthesized in your mind you know like what what is what is space music right i don't know someone someone who made a space film sometime like just kind of decided what they were going to use you know what i'm saying or like you know we have like like a diminished chord evokes a certain spooky mm-hmm. sound if played a certain way you know but like why is it spooky it's just like it's you know we all kind of everyone draws their own connections and makes their own sense of music, I think. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, the music that I make, I'm, I'm trying to, like, a lot of times when I li- when I write Granahan's music, like, I'm not really listening to music. You know, for example, with Void, when Void was recorded and written, I wasn't listening to anything. I was just trying to, like, channel, you know, channel whatever was inside and, and try to, like, be true to what is coming out of my, my head or what's in my head. But it's funny because, like, a lot of my influences from when I was younger, like when I was 14 and starting this out, 13 years old, starting playing guitar, like those were super loud in my writing, you know, even because it had such a, I guess, influential mark on how I think about music. It's an interesting thing. I think personally, a lot of the music that I listened to in 05 to like 08 has had a huge impact on like my writing. There's some modern things that I think we, we wish we could integrate like, uh, and due to an extent, but we can only pray that we'd be like half as good as like yeah. Thundercat or Hiatus Coyote. Those types of like, you know, funky, but like very skilled tasteful. music. Yeah, tasteful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like there, intentional. There's just such a progression with Thundercat because like he his music's like out there, but it's I love that it's respected. I love that like. There are so many musicians who aren't, aren't not only like influenced but like are friends with him and they, like I love the the stuff he does with rappers like he, yeah. the collaboration aspect well, of like, it is so know, cool. Oh, like yeah. hop on with yeah. Robert Glasper or something. Yeah, or like, you oh, know, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Paris that. Martin, all those all those groups. Mm. I love that everything's kind of coming together. I like to think a lot about like sociologically what makes us like the music we like. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you guys all grew up in different you know areas. I mean, yeah. still Texas. You guys came together. It's, it's almost like the sociological aspects are sparse and in between, you know. And yeah. It's because you can grow up in a place that's totally different than other places and still have the same type of sociological yeah. influences. We wouldn't have been able to put the band together probably with people from only one city. Yeah, it, just, yeah, it was hard. For me, like the biggest frustration growing up 
as a musician in San Antonio was I just felt like I I couldn't I couldn't find like band members necessarily that were into the kinds of music that I was into. Like there's a ton of talented musicians in San Antonio, but yeah. um, you know, everyone's into different things and so it took a, a long time, probably like ten years, of just like consistently, you know, playing music to kind of scope out other people that kind of think like you. And then you have to end up working along like geographical distances and like uh, trying to make it work logistically. But uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it's been interesting. Um, you know, like I said, Cesar was in his. You know, he was in a band uh, from Laredo. Tyler's in a band from Houston. You know. Um, we met Ashton. Actually, I met Ashton at a at a, I think it was a Ramparts show. I yeah, think that's when yeah, I, I yeah, met you. It was um it was at Ventura, right downtown. Yeah, I I think y'all were like headlining, and we were we were like the first first runner up or some shit. Yeah, um, and you know what's interesting <laughs> is like San Antonio, like at the time where where you played with Ramparts, San Antonio's music scene was like kind of flourishing. I mean, it it there always was something there, but it comes kind of you. San Antonio seems to have these like waves of like really talented young people coming out. No, yeah, I kind of looked. I I looked out like I I kind of started actually like gigging and you know playing shows and stuff right as like one of these one of these proverbial waves yeah. <laughs> was 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 coming up. So yeah, when yeah. I was like when I started, it was like oh, I guess when I started playing guitar, it was like oh five or oh six. Um, but you know, no one was really into the weird shit I was listening to at the time. <laughs> I just want, you know, they were into like System of a Down, which is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't play System of Down's like type of music because it was, it was too hard. Like I remember at the time I couldn't alternate pick. And you know how like that song Needles is like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's just I couldn't do that at the time. And other people wanted to play that shit, and I was like, I can't even do that. Like I don't know, want to play this other stuff. So, there are a lot of bands who I feel are kind of like uh, you know when you see these webs of different types of music and there are a lot of bands who are like the cogs that make these other bands kind of influence other bands I feel like System of Down is one of those big cogs oh, they're, they're legends and it's so funny because I, I remember growing up watching like VH1 talk about like you know I love the 80s and stuff like that and that's a good those, show there's different documentaries and, and stuff like that and I remember they were talking about Motorhead and how Motorhead was the one metal band that punk guys, it was okay for punk guys to like. And I feel like System of a Down is that band for every other genre. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like I, I hear rappers who love System of a Down. I hear, you know, pop punk bands who like System of a Down and new metal bands. I've seen, seen jazz guys who like, you know, System of a Down. Yeah, they're they're a legendary band. Yeah. Especially here in San Antonio, I, I feel like that that's one of the Mount Rushmore of like Kiss 90, 99.5 here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. No, San Antonio radio is classic rock. Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> um, what uh, what about System of a Down? Was it the lyrical content? Or just the way the music sounded? or You know, System of a Down, they did such a good job of incorporating political commentary into their metal, but also their Armenian backgrounds. Because I think the... I think all of the members of System of a Down are Armenian Americans, and so they've channeled that like you know Armenian scales and like Armenian folk music, the rhythms too. Yeah, into into their metal, but they've also managed to also incorporate really awesome political commentary into the lyrics that's still applicable yeah. like today. Like yeah. you know, it's crazy. Later. Like you listen to a System of a Down record, you know, Prison Song, for example. You think about that song, and you think about the lyrics. They're you know, trying to build a prison. <laughs> I mean it's just like 
it's relevant today still, you know? They're a, they're a timeless band, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I think they were my introduction to, like, 6-8 time. Like, learning guitar. Yeah. Trying to learn these songs and, like, trying to count and not being able to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had very, very kind of angular phrasings, for sure. I just love that, that they were able to do those things and still be on the radio and still yeah. make, mm-hmm. make pop songs, basically. Because and be super were, successful. Yeah, the hooks are still there, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, we've talked about this before, but like Soundgarden had a lot of weird time signatures and you would never know it. Yeah. They just did it on accident. They weren't trying to write a song in 5-7. They just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how we, that's how a lot of our stuff is. Um, it's funny because sometimes people will come up to me after shows and be like, what time signature is that? And I'm like, it, I just don't. You're like, what part? <laughs> well, I don't even know how to count. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think about it like super cerebrally. You know, kind of like those other musicians, they just kind of do it. Yeah. You know, they're not really thinking about writing something in, you know, 11 over whatever. They just mm. think of a funky, weird thing and they just do it. Right. You know? I might like come up with something and then I'll notice, oh, that's seven. So now let me do <laughs> some se- count in seven, you know. It's kind of after the fact that you might figure out what the theory or the time signature is. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for people who can do that. Yeah. Like, because I, f- I see that as like um, a competence, you know, that eventually I want to kind of gain and incorporate with my own stuff, for sure. I think that's what's interesting. I think that's probably why a lot I hear jazz when I hear you guys, because it, it's like impro- Im- improvised almost to a point to where it's improvised from a technical standpoint. It's improvised to to a, t- like to a system. It's almost like systematic and improvisation at the same time. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, that's why I called it. <laughs> I called Granite Hands. I heard an, there's another band that called their music pretend jazz or fake jazz. It's another <laughs> awesome band, but I'm gonna steal it from. I forgot what band it was, but I'm gonna steal it for them for the second because I I relate with that because Sarush, come clean. There's no other band, right? No, here. I think <laughs> there's one other band that calls their music fake jazz, but it, and it's a dope band. I just I'm not, it's slipping my mind right now, but I would relate with that label because I. <laughs> I'm like approximating jazz. It's like um, it's like I'm I'm like mimicking what a jazz player is doing. Whereas like a jazz player is kind of like, you know, that there's some sort of competence they have about like, okay, I'm in this key, so I'm gonna kind of like stay in this box, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of the box to kind of create tension and come back into it to like bring some res- resolution. Whereas me, I'm just going duh, duh, duh. and it, I mean, until it sounds good, like it's instinctual <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? Like it, it's almost like post jazz because it's instinctual. You hear jazz like I'm gonna do that even though I don't know what I'm doing, but it sounds good. It it sounds good because it's like what people don't tend to see is like the thousands of takes where it sounds like <laughs> shit, 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 shit until it just happens to probabilistically sound good. And then that's what you hear, and that's what gets put on the record. <laughs> it's like it's not very efficient. It's not very efficient. That's why, yeah, maybe Ashton can help us out with that. <laughs> but I think it works. Uh, I think that's the, the the important thing is it works. And uh, thanks, dude. I would have never thought that. Like it, to me, like, when I've heard you guys, like, man, these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> it's almost like you give a like you give like a chimpanzee a, a keyboard, an infinite amount of time, and eventually you can like write a. You know, Wait, what's the thing? The hundred monkeys, hundred typewriters. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> like you can give a, you can give like a chimpanzee a. I don't know what the exact saying is. You know what I mean? Well, like, like eventually the, he's gonna discover quantum mechanics. 
Uh, the one I've heard, it's <laughs> like if you put a hundred monkeys with a hundred typewriters in a room, eventually they'll produce a like perfect work of Shakespeare. Yeah, that's like that's that sounds more right. Like, I heard that, but it was a Seinfeld script. I, I think mine was maybe a me. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm ripping <laughs> off Jerry. I don't know. <laughs> don't yeah. come after me. That's a lot I of my have enough game, money. Bam. Yeah, that's a lot of my approach. It's not very exciting, but if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest, that is kind of my approach. It's just it's just like power through it until something sounds good. That's awesome. Um, so was there anything else you guys want to add about the, the song, about your influences, anything? Uh, I just kind of was having a thought of, in general, how we are kind of living in a time that makes genres, as we're formerly known, obsolete. Yeah. Because back in the day, it used to be that you genres emerged from a specific culture in a specific location and they didn't really like get exposed to anything else, but we're part of the internet generation. So we're getting flooded with the metal, the jazz, all this stuff. And so, you know, we, and unconsciously it all kind of comes together in a blend. But I think that that's, what's going to start happening more and more. Cause we listen to a lot of artists who are already like four or five things. If you wanted to label it, it would be pretty difficult to pin down. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts that I think we're kind of moving past, like, if anything, genres are just going to be adjectives and you could do I think the hyphens. Yeah. Labels are for soup cans. <laughs> I think adjectives uh, rear their head, or not adjectives, genres, like, rear their head in significance when it comes to, like, how music is presented to consumers. Yeah. You know, because, like... I totally agree. Like, I think part of the reason that, like, you could you can understand, like... Um, trying to think of like uh an analogy of like you know like whenever like a like an actor is typecast in the sense where it's like they can't really break out of that role but the same Mm. sense of like a music group like you can't you can't break out of the audience that you have you know maybe back in the days of records like the power alone of just not being in the same aisle of music like you know yours getting filed under some type of genre title that misses a whole bunch of groups of people who are like, well, I don't walk through there. And then, you know, translating to, you know, streaming services and whatnot. A lot of the way people find their music is like, are you ending up on a playlist? Are you ending up on right? Like hashtags, which like like, not all of that is necessarily like tied to genre a hundred percent. But you know, those, those, uh, the, the, the names that we use for things, you know, the, the way are the way that we agree to talk about stuff. And so, yeah, it's still it's still like I it's think useful. It's, in that it's, way. it's not the convenience. Yeah, like I think I think you're right in the sense that like genre is becoming sort of like in name only. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. Of, you know. I, like, I think the the cool thing about genre, or just ha- or just you know, the concept of a genre is, you know, like like Tyler was saying, it's not like a defined box anymore i don't know if it ever was a defined box necessarily but i guess more so now music's pretty predictable yeah you're right (laughs) but it's still good though you know still great i mean that's the thing like genre i think there's you got to decouple genre from the concept of like is it good or is it bad i think genre is like quality is kind of yeah like there's good types of everything (laughs) i think in general like um, the whole idea of genre is just like, you know, it's a direction in which to look in to discover uh, music that yeah. may be similar to what you like. You know, yeah. like it's a useful kind of like identifier. Right. And I agree. I'm not saying that I'm like looking for genreless 
soups in music <laughs> all over the place. Like I love specific genres. Like yeah. I'm really into like Brazilian samba jazz stuff right now and uh and then also like super ambient psychedelic new age music and that's definitely falls within a genre but yeah yeah personally i just get bored i think that's what it comes down to is like if i were playing the same type of thing or maybe even like the same type of dynamic you feel like that with uh you know, I love punk, but after about 30 minutes of it, you know, I it might not hit the same. That's why other albums are three minutes Because, yeah, it's <laughs> like uh, uh, sometimes a band can sound like they're on the same gear yeah. for a whole album. Yeah. And I want to avoid that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's what I appreciate a lot about, like, the Spotify algorithms is in the sense that, like, I like Fela Kuti, but I don't like very much African jazz other than Fela Kuti so mm. you can hear people who are inspired by Fela Kuti who are maybe in rock bands or maybe in you know country bands or stuff like that mm, so I yeah. think the algorithms are really good about capturing that like sonic influence and I think it's really cool that we live in an age now to where we can kind of really expand our palette I think like the genre the the, the genre borders are going to become more and more obvious in the Spotify age because there's mm. this whole concept of like playlistification uh, of like you know the next thing for musicians coming up is to get on that huge playlist for x genre you know yeah. which has like x amount of followers and it's not so much like hopping on a record label anymore it's it's like getting music that's going to get put onto a playlist a that's going to right and then that's <laughs> almost going to have this like you know reigning in of like boxing sounds to like yeah be compatible with playlists the issue is just like you want to make sure that you don't uh force that first right you can make the music and then be like okay now where might it fit but some i feel like bands that like maybe local bands that i've seen over the years they almost like see that there's this genre and this audience maybe they truly are passionate about it but they almost start uh acting to like because they know there's going to be an audience for them in that genre and i think that's kind of working backwards yeah i think it works though yeah it works. i mean it's and for a reason yeah, but I personally think, i just don't want to do that yeah i i think it's a it's an interesting like strategy to try out for sure you know i'm not opposed to it i think it'd be pretty cool <laughs> we can just agree to disagree <laughs> Um, well, hey, I, thank you guys again for coming sure. on. Do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to plug? I wish we could promote shout our out, tour. But shout out to everybody that's uh, still been supporting us throughout yeah, the quarantine sure. and uh, listening to our music. Uh, we've been getting lots of good reception from, uh, or, or on the EP, I should say, um, lots of views on the music video, and people seem to have been enjoying it. So uh, just happy and thankful for everybody that's been sticking with us and uh yeah hopefully we can see everybody again soon and uh play for y'all so yeah tell your friends <laughs> yeah Check wanna, out. You know. i want to give a shout out to zach who did your video for yeah. absolutely yeah zachariah that was phenomenal work that was really fun awesome video that was a fun video it was yeah. super fun yeah. yeah also he housed us last night and he's been like the best host in the world <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. such a cool dude yeah, yeah. seriously so zach, he's taking like, taking great care of us in the past but yeah that music video was a lot of fun to shoot 
yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun to watch <laughs> <laughs> it was like i don't know it was it was one of the randomest things we've ever done there wasn't we didn't really have any like real expectations for it it just came out like total madness mm-hmm. in, in a good way <laughs> just a fun idea that you had yeah I, I just love it. it. Like the way it was shot, felt very Breaking Badish. Just maybe just because it's a desert. But yeah, like, I love I love the colors and everything. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Well, awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much. Sure. Um, yeah, we really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, we have Granite Hands covering oppressed people. <laughs>